0: Music means it must be Thursday, because Thursday is Western Day. Hi everybody, this is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast for Thursday, February 18th, 2021. And as I said, we always have a Western on Thursday, and it's usually our most popular show of the week, that and the Archive Show. So anyway, we're glad to have you along, and we're going to tell you all about uh, this week's presentation in just a moment. After you get over there and uh, get in that big comfortable chair, get your feet up, get yourself something to drink, a little snack, and let the cares of the day drift away, because you have nothing else to think about right now but enjoying this week's Old Time Radio Western. It's coming up in just a minute. By now, you have figured out that we have an episode of Gunsmoke to play for you today. This one was first broadcast on September 13th in 1954, and it features Vic Perrin in a role that uh, he played on about three occasions that I can think of. Now, when I say he played it, it's not actually the same person, but it's sort of the same personality. Big Perrin was very diverse in his acting ability, and he was on many episodes of Gunsmoke. Sometimes as the bad guy, sometimes as the local rancher, sometimes as uh, another lawman. I mean, he was just very diverse, very good. But on this, uh, on, in this episode, he's going to play a character that is mousy, a character that has, uh, a person that has a very low self-esteem, doesn't think much of his abilities, and. He played this character, like I said, a couple of different times on Gunsmoke, in different scripts, and he wasn't called the same thing. I remember on one episode, he came in and he was a guitar player. In fact, we played it just a few weeks ago, as I recall. He was a guitar player, but some of the town bullies started picking on him. He had another one where he played a Chinese man that came to town with a long braid, or what they call a cue, on the back of his head from his hair. And that caused a lot of consternation upon the locals. And he was very shy and humble. I mean, there was just, he played this character very well. Well, in the script this week, he's playing poor, pathetic Emmett Dooley. And Dooley becomes totally convinced that he has murdered a man. He's killed him. And he doesn't know what to do. Well, then, of course, he figures it out. He should turn himself into the law and accept his punishment. And so he approaches Marshal Matt Dillon to make his confession, and thus the name of the episode tonight, Dooley Surrenders. So here's Vic Perrin as Dooley in this Gunsmoke episode, which was originally broadcast on September 13, 1954, on CBS.
3: Good morning, Matt. Chester. Hello, Doc.
2: Oh, what are you doing up so early, Doc? Early? <laughs> it's almost noon. Well, that's early for some people. Oh, early for some people.
3: <laughs> I didn't come here to get into any personal arguments, Matt. I want to borrow one of your shotguns. Borrow a shotgun?
2: <laughs> Who do you think you are, Doc Holliday? All righty, I've asked you nice.
3: Now I'll just help myself. Good. It's loaded. But I'll need more than these two shells. Where do you keep them?
2: I'll fetch him a handful, Chester. Yes,
3: sir. Yes, at least a handful. (laughs) There's no telling what I might run into.
2: Here you are. What's the matter? Don't you trust your aim, Doc? Or are you planning to blow up a whole lot of people?
3: None of your business, but I have to go up the river to Pierceville for a week or so, and I thought I might bag a few quail and prairie chicken along the way.
2: (laughs) Well, that won't make very good eating, Doc.
3: Oh, is that so, and why not?
2: Well, all you're going to get's feathers. Oh, all I'm going to get what? We don't keep those guns here to shoot birds with, you
3: know. Yeah. Oh, for Lord! The... Here, Chester, give me some decent ammunition. Will well, please? you didn't say what you wanted it for, Doc. Do I have to explain? I am not a murderer. <laughs>
2: this
4: the U.S. Marshal's office.
2: Yeah, that's right. Come on in, Mister.
4: <clears throat> I
2: got something to tell you, Marshal. Okay.
4: First, better say my name. It's Emmett Dooley. All right, Dooley. Now, for what I got to tell you, I've been skinning hides, Marshal, working for a buffalo hunter named a Culpit. You know him?
2: No, I don't.
4: Well, there was this Culpit and his partner Faber and me and the cook. Nobody knows the cook's name. we just call him the cook. And we was camped up the Arkansas River at Turkey Bend. You know where that is?
2: Yeah, yeah, I know.
4: Well, sir... Culpit, he broke out some whiskey night before last, and we all took to drinking it. And, Marshal, it's a bad thing, but when I drink whiskey, I get kind of senseless.
2: Well, most men do, Dooley.
4: Not like me. I go crazy wild. You won't believe it to look at me, Marshal, but I'm a dangerous man when I'm drinking whiskey.
2: I see. Well, uh, what happened the other night?
4: That fellow Faber I was telling you about? Yeah. I killed him, Marshal. You did? Yes, sir. I shot and killed him. I don't know why I did it, except that I was senseless drunk on that whiskey. I don't even remember doing it, Marshal. But when I come to next morning, them other fellas told me about it. They'd already buried him. They showed me his grave. Poor old Faber. I feel awful
2: bad I did it. Dooley, most men, when they kill somebody, don't come tell the law about it. Why did you? I never killed nobody before, Marshal, and
4: I can't have shooting favor on my mind. I, I had to come.
2: Well, where are the rest of these people, Colpitt and the Cook?
4: Ooh, they went off onto the prairie summers hunting buffalo. I got no idea where they are. Well, you gonna hang me, Marshal?
2: No, no, I don't hang men. Then what
4: I come here for?
2: You the law, ain't you? Look, Dooley, nobody gets hung before they get tried. And I can't send you up for trial unless I see the body of the man you killed. But I told you, Marshal, it was Faber I killed. Okay, okay, it was Faber, but I got to testify that a crime has been committed and the law reads I can't do that without seeing the body. You calling me a liar? No, I'm not calling you a liar.
4: Then I don't understand none of this.
2: (sighs) Well, don't you worry about it, Dooley. I'll take care of it. How? I'll ride out to Turkey Bend and find the grave.
4: Oh, I wouldn't do that, Marshal. No, sir, not in this weather.
2: Well, I don't have to bring him into Dodge, Dooley. I can leave him buried there. Oh.
4: Oh, well, I'll go with you.
2: No. No, you won't. It's a bad enough trip as it is. You don't like me because I'm a murderer. (laughs) I like you fine, Dooley. I mean... Chester, will you lock him up? Turkey Bend was about 20 miles up the Arkansas. And since he was headed that way, Doc Adams rode along with us. We reached the campsite about mid-afternoon, but it took us another hour to find the grave. There was no marker on it. And in fact, only the color of the fresh-turned earth made it possible to find it all. Chester and I did the shovel work, and Doc did the examining.
3: He taking so long
2: for him, Mr. Dillon. Oh, Doc's slow, Chester, but he doesn't miss much.
3: What's there to miss? He's just a shot man. I mean, a got shot man. I mean, a
2: man... Never mind, Chester. Oh, he's through now.
3: You can put him back now. I, I've seen all I need. Well, I should hope so, Doc. What was you looking for, measles? It isn't what I was looking for, Chester. It's what I found.
2: Oh, what do you mean, Doc?
3: Matt, I remember Dooley saying he shot
2: this man. Is that right? Well, that's what he said. Well,
3: little Dooley got it all mixed up. Faber there didn't die from a bullet. He died from a knife. What? Right through the heart.
2: A knife, huh? Yeah, Dooley sure did get it mixed up. That or somebody told him wrong.
3: It don't make sense.
2: I let well, it make more sense if I could talk to Colpitt. Well,
3: how are you ever going to find him out here? He could be anywhere, any direction. We might be weeks looking for him.
2: We'll make him come to us, Chester. Him and the cook, both.
3: Come to us? How?
2: You'll see when we get back to Dodge. Bring him in, Chester.
3: The sun is up and the dew is almost gone from all
4: the little plants and flowers. Ugh. Chester woke me up, Marshal.
2: You're going to have to do your sleeping somewhere else from now on, Dooley.
4: I can sleep anywhere, anytime. That's what I like about winter.
2: Nothing to do but sleep. Dooley, I'm turning you loose. What? I don't want you to leave Dodge, but I don't want you in jail either.
4: What's the matter with me being in jail? I... I shot a man, didn't I? You saw the body, didn't you? You got the evidence?
2: Now, don't you worry about it, Dooley. Just do what I tell you to. I want you to stay in Dodge, but not in jail. What? I
4: got no money. I got nothing to eat. I got no place to sleep. I'm a buffalo skinner. How am I going to get a job in Dodge?
2: Here, Dooley. Here, here's a... Uh, here's $10. Now, you, you you can live on that fine. No. Now, go on. Take it. Well, okay. But I'm not a man to borrow money. Now, you, you're doing me a favor.
4: I should have made Culpert pay me off. But like he said, it didn't make sense. Me being in jail, I couldn't spend nothing.
2: They well, may pay you off yet, Dooley. What? Uh, no, never mind. But look. If I catch you drinking that money, I'm going to take it away from you and you'll starve. Oh, I won't be drinking, Marshal. Didn't I tell you how crazy and dangerous I am when
4: I drink whiskey? No, sir, I won't do that.
2: Good. Now, if anybody asks you why you're not in jail, tell them I said I'm waiting for something. Waiting for what? Well, say I didn't tell you. And one other thing. Don't you tell anybody we rode out and found Faber's body. Don't tell anybody at all. Just forget about that. I'm all mixed up, Marshal.
4: Am I still under
2: arrest? No, no, Dooley. Now, why don't you go on and get out of here? I got work to do, huh?
4: Can I come see you sometime? You and Chester?
2: Uh, sure, sure, of course you can. But I don't want you hanging around here all day. Okay, I won't. Just once in a while. I wouldn't feel
4: right otherwise, Marshal. Me being a murderer and all.
2: So long. So long, Dooley. Bye, Dooley. Mr. Dillon? What, Chester? How come you
3: didn't tell Dooley that Faber was killed with a knife? He's still thinking he shot him, the poor little
2: cask. I know. I'm sorry I have to do it this way, but word'll get around. It'll get clear out onto the prairie, even. And when it does, I don't want Culpit and the cook to be scared off. I only want them to be real curious. So curious they'll come to Dodge and start asking questions. What good will that do? Well, we'll find out when they get here, Chester. Mm-hmm. Sugar, Mr. Dillon? Uh, no, no, thanks, Chester. Uh, no, sir, I
3: didn't mean to you on some. I meant I wanted some. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank you.
5: This
3: coffee's mighty black tonight.
2: Ch- Chester, you know, sugar's not gonna change the color of the coffee.
3: No, sir, but it sure sweetens it up.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Well, look at there. It's Dooley. Huh? Oh, Dooley. Well, sit down. Have a cup of coffee, huh? <laughs> Ain't you gonna say hello, Dooley? I can't
4: stand it no more. You gotta help me.
2: Oh, what's the matter, Dooley? What's troubling you?
4: Two days. I've been out of jail two days. I, I can't go to another one, Marsh. Well, why? What is it? Well, everybody treats me bad. They won't have nothing to do with me. They say I admit shooting a man, I ought to be in jail. Talking about you too, Marshal, for letting me out.
2: Uh, people talk whatever I do.
4: Well, I can't face him out no more. And anyways, I did kill him. I ought to be in jail. Well, Marshal, this way I feel like, I, I feel like I'd stole a sheep. That's how I feel, just like I'd stole a sheep. I'm sorry, Dooley. You gotta help me. Last night, they wouldn't even let me sleep in the room in house or the hotel.
2: nor No place. Seems to me the citizens of Dodge are getting mighty high-minded all of a sudden. But, but I'll help you, Dooley. <laughs> Thanks, Marshal. But not in jail. I can't let you stay there. But there's a shack out back of the jail that belongs to Doc. He stores some stuff in it.
3: Say, that's a an idea. And, and I'll give you some blankets, Dooley. We got plenty of them around.
4: Doc might find me and shoot me or something. Oh, no, he won't do that. He won't be back for a week or more. Anyway, he'll be glad you're using the place.
2: Well, can I stay in it all day, too? Sure you can. And if you'll show yourself somewhere every now and then, you know? I don't want anybody to think that you've left Dodge. I gotta eat.
4: Will that do it?
2: Fine, fine. Okay. Okay.
4: But, Marshal, I'd sure like to know what a man has to do to get jailed in Dodge City, Kansas.
2: I don't know what Dooley did to pass the time, but for the next few days he hid day and night in Doc's shack back of the jail and came out only to eat a meal in the restaurant now and then. I felt sorry for him. But I'd have felt sorrier if he'd been hung for a crime I knew he was innocent of. A week passed and nothing happened until one day when I went into the general store after a new watch chain I'd ordered. Mr. Jonas wasn't there, but Kitty was.
6: Hello, Matt.
2: Hey, Kitty, you gonna buy that hat? Like it? Oh, it looks fine, fine.
6: Really? You sure? Oh,
2: yeah, take it. You won't do better than that.
6: (laughs) I had Mr. Jonas order it six months ago. Huh?
2: Oh, well, the mails are slow sometimes.
6: It came on the Santa Fe, Matt, not by Pony Express. What? I ordered this hat six months ago. It arrived four months ago, and I've been wearing it ever since.
2: (laughs) Uh, Where's Mr. Jonas, Kitty?
6: I'm glad you like it, though. He's out back trying to sell somebody a new wagon. Uh-huh.
2: Oh? Well, that's a bigger item than my watch chain. I, I better come back tomorrow.
6: Wait. Here he comes the best now.
7: wagon you can buy, mister. I guarantee you, you'll never have any trouble with it. It's too expensive.
6: What's the matter with them Conestoga people? They raise their prices every
7: year. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. If I don't sell that wagon by noon tomorrow, you can have it $50 off. You mean that? You have my word, noon tomorrow.
6: And I'm camped down on the river, right where the cotton was begin. Supposing you drive it out there at noon? No, no. If you want it, you'll have to pick it up here. I got only one man in my camp. My cook. That's why I asked. Where are the rest of your men? Dead or gone. And I'll be picking up a new crew before I head out again.
7: Yeah, you shouldn't have any trouble finding hide skinners around here. I'll do it tomorrow when I come
6: in for the wagon. Oh, by the way... I heard there's a friend of mine in town, a fellow called Dooley. You know where I could find him?
2: Well, no, I don't. But here's the man to ask. Uh, I don't know any Dooley. I never even heard of him. What? I'd uh, like to get my watch chain, though. Uh, Has it come in yet?
6: Well, yes, but I... We've been waiting half an hour, Mr. Jonas. Aren't you ever going to be through with him? Don't get in a fret, lady. He's through now. See you at noon tomorrow, storekeeper.
2: Sure, sure. Sure. Oh, thanks, Kitty.
7: Sure enough. Now, what is this all about, Marshal? Mr.
2: Jonas, that man's name is Carl Pitt. I've been waiting a long time for him to get here.
7: Oh, now I understand. It was his partner duly killed. Uh, that's why he was saying he's running his outfit alone now that he's got all the money. Is that what he said? Yes, and he also said something about taking care of the law here before he left. Of course, I didn't think anything about it at the time. Lots of men talk like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess they do. But, uh, Culpit may mean it. Ah, hello, Doc. When'd you get back?
4: A couple of hours ago, man.
2: Well, what are you doing in here, Dooley?
4: Doc found me in his shack out back, Marshal. We've been talking.
2: Talking? Oh,
4: Matt, I just got back. I didn't know what was going on here. Doc told me about Faber. He says he was killed with a knife. He says I didn't shoot him. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. I, I guess you didn't want him to know.
2: Oh, it's all right, Doc. It doesn't matter now.
4: Is that true, Marshal? I didn't kill Faber?
2: Yeah, it's true, Julie. Colpitt killed him.
4: Pretty mean of him. Tell me to go get hung for it, pretty doggone mean. Well, it's
2: all over now, Dooley. I'll take care of Culpit. How? He'll just go on saying I done it. Look, I want you to leave Dodge. Go someplace where Culpit can't find you. Then I'm going down to his camp while he's in town tomorrow and arrest the cook. Well, the cook? You said Culpit done it. Well, he did. But I'm going to throw the cook in jail and then take Culpit. When I tell him the cook has told me the whole story, I think I can break Culpit down and he'll confess.
4: That culpit don't care about nothing. Tell me I done it.
2: Marshal, I wish I'd never gone to work for that man. Uh, You'd have been better off if you hadn't, Dooley. But you're out of trouble now. Unless Carpet finds you. So you get out of Dodge as fast as you can, huh? I'll get Chester to find you a horse of some kind.
4: He's a wicked
2: man, Carpet.
4: is. A wicked, wicked man.
2: Sure. Now you get going, Dooley, huh? And, uh, good luck to you.
4: Thank you, Marshal. You've been as good as you could be to me, I guess. Yeah. Sometime, if I'm Dodge again, I'll come see you,
2: maybe. Uh, sure, anytime, time, Dooley. I'll be glad to see you. Well, so long. So long, Marshal. I gave Chester $10 to buy Dooley a mount with, but he couldn't find much of a horse for that. So they settled on an old Jack Mule. I didn't see Dooley again, but Chester told me later that he'd grub him with another ten out of his own pocket when he saw him off. I guess we both felt a little guilty about the way I'd had to treat him. Anyway, the next day, just after noon, we rode down to the river to pick up the cook and bait the trap for the real murderer, it. Are you going to find this camp, Mr. Dillon? Well, he said it was where the cottonwoods began, Chester.
3: Oh, right over there. It'll kindly spoil everything if Culpit's deciding not to go to town after all, won't
2: it? Yeah, it sure would.
3: There's his horses. Yeah. There ain't no smoke, Cole. That cook ain't cooking nothing.
2: Uh, with Colpitt in town, he's probably asleep, Chester.
3: Hey, he's shooting at us. Yeah.
8: There's a hole up ahead, Chester. Ride for it. Ha! Ah! Leave your horse,
2: Chester I told you Colpitt didn't go in town, Mr. Dell Now, Colpett's a buffalo hunter, Chester He couldn't miss at that range with his eyes closed That's the cook
8: oh, What's the cook shooting at us for?
2: Well, I'll ask him
8: What's the matter with you? You're drunk
9: I'm drunk I'm crazy wild drunk
8: It's Dooley Dooley! Stop it! It's Marshal Dillon and Chester!
9: I know who it is. I want to kill you, too. Kill us, too? I don't kill Culpit and the cook with a sharp's rifle, and I'm going to kill you. No! Oh. Culpit was lying about me killing Faber. I never killed nobody in my life before, but I'm starting now.
3: Oh, it's that $10 I give him. He must have gone and drunk it up. Yeah.
9: Dooley!
8: I know you're drunk, but we're going to sit here in this hole till you sober up. Do you hear me?
9: I ain't going to sober up. I'm going to kill people.
8: You can't stay drunk forever. We'll wait you out.
9: Come on out of there. Come on out, I tell you.
8: You're wasting ammunition, Dooley. You can't hit us here.
9: Then I'm coming after you. I'm going to walk right up there and shoot you.
8: No. No, Dooley, don't do it. I'll have to kill you if you try it.
9: Here I come, Marshal. Don't do it, Dooley. I'm going to kill everybody.
3: I'll get over there as far as I can, Mr. Dillon. Then we can both jump him. I sure hate to, but we can't let him kill us.
2: No, Chester, it's my job. I'll do it. All right, stay down now.
9: You can't get away from Dooley.
2: Nobody can. Throw your hat in the air, Chester. He'll look at it for just a second. Yes,
10: sir.
2: Uh. Uh. <sighs> well, that's it, Chester.
4: I didn't kill you. You killed me.
2: Dola, you're the last man in the world I wanted to kill.
4: Culpit and the cook. They're dead. I shot them. Culpit was a mean, wicked man, Marshal. Yeah, he was. Marshal? What? I'll come say hello to you.
1: Next time I'm in
4: Dodge.
2: You said I could. Yeah, yeah, you you come, Dooley. Mm. Sure. You You come anytime you want. Thanks, Marshal. Thank you. Mm.
3: Mr. Dillon, that's... That's terrible. But you must feel even worse than I do. Oh, I
2: mean... Well, Never mind the talk, Chester. Now, let's get busy. We got three men to bury.
1: Gunsmoke, produced and directed by Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, Harry Bartell, and James Nusser. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Listen to Dragnet Radio at its new time a half hour earlier Tuesday night on another network. And remember, next week at this same time, Chesterfield will bring you another transcribed story of the Western Frontier on Gunsmoke over the CBS radio network.
0: That was Duly surrendered, as heard on Gunsmoke back on September the 13th in 1954 on CBS. It's going to slam the lid on this week. My goodness gracious, it went fast. I guess that's because we've been snowed in darn near all week with freezing temperatures. I don't know what it's going to be like where you are, but it's going to have a warming trend here in the St. Louis area in the Midwest. So next week we're expecting temperatures to get back up into the more normal high 40s and even low 50s by the end of the week in the high 50s. And the lows at night are going to be just hovering around the freezing mark and slightly above. So this is good. I hope the same is in store for all of you. Uh, We're so glad you came along. We'll be back on the weekend for for the archive show. And then we will be back next Monday with uh, a brand new comedy. We'll have another drama on Tuesday, a mystery on Wednesday, and another Western next Thursday. I... I used to play from time to time a version of the Gunsmoke theme song entitled Gunsmoke Trails and it was sung, yes there were lyrics, it was sung by Tex Ritter. And I haven't played that in a long time unless you maybe heard it on one of the archive shows. But I get a, a number of people request it and the other day I got a request from a listener down in San Angelo, Texas and asked if I could play it, and I, ironically, I had just gotten another request from uh, from a listener up in uh, Lemonster, Massachusetts, and they had requested So two requests in one week, and they couldn't have been connected, so I thought, all right, we'll go out with it. And what better day to do it than on a Thursday. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad to stop by, and I am so glad you met me. Have a great weekend, everybody.
10: Gun smoke trail Oh, tell me of days gone by Though alone You still wind your way All the ghostly horsemen riding As they speed the eastern mail it's up to you to see them through Gunsmoke Trail Gunsmoke Trail The Gunsmoke now has faded from the blazing 44's The stagecoach is rusting on the hill The wagon wheels you used to feel will sing their song no more The sound of the caravan is still Gunsmoke Trail No traveler to care where you go Sands of a time Are hiding your way Bet if heaven ever let you You could tell a rugged tale that's why I hate to see you fade, gun smoke trail. see you fade Gunsmoke trail. Gunsmoke